Well, good evening. My name is Amy, and I'm one of the pastors here. You can all stand for the reading of the gospel. This is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. You can have a seat. Well, when I was about eight years old, I desperately, desperately wanted this little accessory set for my My Little Ponies. And there we go. You can see why this thing is awesome. There is the doll, Megan. There are these extra ponies and this whole little place. And what you can't see is that there's also this amazing little plastic feed bucket and these hay bales and these saddles. So pretty much everything a little girl needs to take care of magical ponies. Now, I was a really quiet kid, and I was an internal processor, and I still am. And so I never told anybody how badly I wanted this. I just saw it in the Sears catalog and set my heart on it and kind of held it privately. And then my family didn't really have much money, and we didn't just go around buying toys just because we wanted them anyway. So there was really no point in ever saying to anyone how badly I wanted this toy. But I really wanted it. And then this one night, my family was going to my grandmother's for our normal weekend dinner. And before we piled in the car, I was just overtaken with this sense that when we got there, this toy set would be waiting for me. And I really don't know how to describe how I knew, but I knew. Like, I really knew. And so I actually brought along some of my My Little Ponies so that they could meet their new friend and wear their saddles and go in their little stable. 
And my parents kind of raised their eyebrows, and you could tell that they didn't want me to be disappointed, but they just kind of let me be. And then when we got to my grandmother's house, I was right. There was this toy. It was waiting there on the shag carpeting, just like I knew it would be. And it was really a small event in my life, and yet I remember it so vividly, because I don't think I've ever felt an unabashed confidence like that again, that something I was hoping for would really come to pass. This really confident hope that wasn't the least bit scared of being disappointed. And what's more, that confidence seemed to come from somewhere outside of me. It wasn't like me. It was like some external force had planted it in me. And now that I'm older, I would call it the work of the Holy Spirit, moving in me and revealing a God who knew me and knew how to communicate that in a language that an eight-year-old could understand. But at the time, as a kid who didn't own a Bible, who had maybe been to church once or twice in my life, I didn't have those words for it. I just knew something really unusual had happened. Well, Simeon and Anna, in today's passage, they have this same sort of unusual Holy Spirit confidence that their hopes are going to be fulfilled. But the object of their hope is not some little plastic toy, something of very little consequence. The object of their hope is Jesus, and in him, the redemption of themselves and of their people and actually of the whole world. And Simeon and Anna had been patiently, confidently holding on to this hope against all evidence to the contrary for a really long time. So if you imagine the world of Simeon and Anna with me for a moment, the text tells us they're both quite old and that they're both faithful and devout Jews. And both of those attributes mean that they are people who are well acquainted with sorrow. They've lived long enough to see the people around them, their friends, become ill and frail and pass away. And they've lived long enough to see their own bodies begin to decline and their strength wane and their eyesight get a little fuzzy. All those little bodily reminders that they are human beings in bodies that are moving toward death. And Anna, in particular, we read, is a widow and was widowed really early in life, really early in her marriage. She's known loss and loneliness and what it's like to scrape by as a single woman in a society that was pretty hard on single women. And then in addition to whatever sort of suffering they've seen in their own lives and in their own bodies, they have also lived through the suffering of their people. So they lived in those long years between the Old and New Testaments, these 400 years when the prophets seemed to go silent, and God's voice and his promises started to grow really faint. They would have been raised in homes where all these great words of God and the works of God in history, they would have felt like part of this distant past, more like fairy tales than part of their family history. And what did those fairy tales have to do with their present lives? They were living as ethnic minorities in this Roman empire built on exploitation and greed and idol worship. Their God, the God of justice, the God of dignity and freedom, the God of mercy and compassion, the God who delivers their people, he must have seemed so far away. 
And they watched as people all around them over those long years forgot God and grew lazy in their worship. They got tired of waiting and they lost hope. We read that Simeon was unable to die in peace and that Anna was fasting constantly. These sure signs that all is not right in their world. But verse 38, right at the end, tells us that even in this context, there were some people who had never stopped waiting for God to set right everything that had gone wrong. Simeon and Anna were these kinds of people, and they had lived their long lives waiting and hoping for God's consolation and his redemption to break in. They knew, they knew, they knew that comfort was coming, and so they could wait in hope. And what form did that hope take when it finally appeared that day in the temple? Well, it came weak and vulnerable and pretty unimpressive. It came as a newborn baby to a couple of poor teenagers who could only afford to sacrifice two pigeons. What sort of eyes, what sort of Holy Spirit vision it must have taken for Simeon and Anna to recognize the redemption of the whole world in this fragile little package. And then what do they do in response? Simeon takes the baby up in his arms and he says, at last, this is what I have been waiting for all my life. Not just for me, not just for my people, but for the whole world. And I can die in peace because this fragile hope has come into the world. And he blesses Jesus and he prophesies to Mary about the fragility that's actually going to follow Jesus through his whole life, how he's going to reveal the hearts of his people, how he's going to be violently opposed, and how Mary's own heart will break. Simeon takes into his arms everything that this baby is, everything it will be, all of it, the sorrow and the joy and the loss and the redemption, all of it. He receives it and he embraces it. And in fact, in the Orthodox tradition, Simeon is called the God-receiver. He receives it. And Anna does something really different. If Simeon's response is more inward, it's this receiving. Anna's is outward. It's a giving. Anna tells people. She tells anyone who will listen in the temple, anyone who has been hoping, like her, it's here. The redemption we have been waiting for, it's here. It's finally come. And so Anna joins her voice with the angels that proclaim this good news that salvation has come, that hope is fulfilled, that redemption is right here. So what can we learn from Simeon and Anna? How can we respond to this story? Well, first, I think we need to see ourselves as waiting people. We're people who live between these two advents, between that first advent when Jesus was born and the next advent when he returns to earth to rescue and restore these people once and for all. And in this in-between time, our job is waiting. It's hoping. It's holding on to this ancient promise of redemption, even when God seems quiet. Like Simeon and Anna, we have to learn to wait even when waiting seems foolish. And even when we feel scared and almost certain that we will be disappointed. We have to learn to wait actively the way they do. Not just with our hearts and our minds, but with our bodies. 
with where our feet take us, with what our hands do, what our eyes read and our mouths say, what our bellies feast or fast on. We have to read and pray and fast and worship as though we really believe the story is true. But the thing is, waiting and hoping like this in a broken world is really hard. It's a path of grief. It's a path that acknowledges, often through tears, that all is horribly not right in the world. And yet we see in Simeon and Anna that this kind of painful waiting does something remarkable in our souls. It trains us to see Jesus. It gives us eyes to see the promise of redemption, even in the poorest and most fragile of forms. And even when, and probably especially when, our lives are marked by pain and hardship, waiting for Jesus fuels in us this holy hunger. It stirs our longings for resurrection. It affirms our sense that the pain of this world is not the end of the story. And in this life of waiting, suffering isn't a sign that what we're doing is futile or naive, that our hopes are stupid, that we should ignore them or numb them or give up. Remember, Simeon promised Mary that her son would bring opposition and falling and that her soul would be pierced. And so just like Mary, we can expect that suffering is part of a life of waiting. And we can allow it to train us to kindle our hope and our longing for more. So Simeon and Anna, they teach us to be active waiters, and they teach us to allow this waiting to form us, to expect suffering, and to allow it to deepen our hope. And they also teach us how to respond to the object of all of our hopes, to the Jesus that has already come, whose redemption and consolation is already breaking into the world, and whose final restoration of all things is surely coming. We can respond like Simeon. We can respond inwardly as we see Jesus in his word and in his people, in worship and in prayer. We can take and hold him close. We can embrace him in his humanity, in his ministry, in his suffering, in his resurrection. We can grow in our ability to see and embrace Jesus in fragile forms, in the faces of the least of these, and in the sorrows of life in these broken human bodies. We can become God receivers. And then we can respond like Anna. We can respond outwardly. We can tell people about Jesus. We can tell them how he has loved and healed and restored us. We can invite someone to Alpha or for a beer, or to our dinner table, or for a walk. We can take a deep breath of courage and practice not just receiving Jesus for ourselves, but giving and telling others about him. So we're here at the end of one year, and just at the start of another, and it's a good time to take stock of our hopes, to look at what we're hoping in, what we've set our hopes on, and then to reset them on the Jesus who has come and is coming. And so in the year ahead, how might we deepen the ways we wait? How might we wait more actively, more bodily, 
How might we allow the suffering that we encounter to form us? How might we receive God and see him in what's fragile? And how might we tell others that his redemption is right here? Well, I'm going to close in prayer, and you're welcome to close your eyes if you want, but I'm going to start the prayer by reading a poem over us. And so um, I would invite you to just receive it, and then I will pray for us. And this is a poem called Simeon. A lifetime of kneeling on these cold stones and choking on black lamp smoke, three billion heartbeats of waiting in hope and despair, praying aloud out of habit and faith, the everyday shuffling and nodding, the silly certainty that it all means life, the dream sure as hunger and strong as grief. Then on this countless day out of darkness comes a girl with her ordinary miracle, an arm full of everything, and the rising and falling begins again, and the dark lifts and descends, him carried to the breaking apart me, last lamp lit, praying done, carried into the velvet dark, listening for the bird call of the great dawn. God, we pray that you would teach us to wait, that you would give us that silly certainty that it all means life, that you would train us in hope, you would help us to receive and to give and to tell. In Jesus' name, amen.